Welcome to the In The Cut Fantasy Sports Podcast with your hosts, John Fish and Ryan Venancio. What is up, everybody? Welcome in episode 12 of the In The Cut Fantasy Sports Podcast. I am your host, John Fish, here with Ryan Venancio. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing great. Couldn't be more excited to talk about catchers. Absolutely. It's always, uh, it, it seems like it's a really boring subject to talk about when it comes to the fantasy baseball world. But honestly, I think it's uh, a pretty important position because you can get some insane value out of some of these picks, especially the top, you know, the top 10 catchers. And then you got, if you wait on catcher, you're, you're kind of exposing yourself to the possibility of, uh, you know, obviously a, a terrible, terrible catcher and you get no production with terrible batting average to go with it. Um, so it's an interesting position. Uh, you know, it's the, the depth. It's not usually uh, that deep. And I actually kind of think it's a little bit deeper this year than normal. But it's um, it's just one of those positions where if you take a catcher early, you, you almost seem like you're kind of catching up. Uh you know, throughout the rest of the draft. So what are your uh, general views on the catcher position? So um, in going through uh, in the off season, I generally go through uh, position by position in order. And I started with catcher. And I think if I miss out on like the top uh, eight or so, eight or nine, I guess Tyler Stevenson is that cutoff in my opinion of like uh, those really good nine safe catchers. Um, if I miss out on those guys, I have some late, late targets. Um, and it's not a total punt and catcher because they're everyday catchers. So I think if I don't get um, anyone in the top eight or nine, I'm still comfortable at catcher. And that's a lot different, in my opinion, from uh, in previous years, like you were saying. The position, position is a lot deeper uh, than it has been. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's it's one of these positions that a lot of people will swear by. You, you want to wait, wait on the position. Um, a lot of people think that catchers get are more susceptible to getting injured. Um, I don't know how true that is. I get it, I guess, with the fell tips and stuff like that. But I'm not sure what what the research has really shown with that. Um, another thing with with the catchers is very few of them actually play. You know, close to every day. So. You get a lot of a lot of platoon guys um, that will kind of split the reps, so it just makes the top end guys a little bit more important because you're going to get uh, better production and just more playing time in general out of them. So you know, obviously, that leads to you know higher counting stats and things like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the it, one thing I've noticed looking at my teams in the past is there's always a common theme in a lot of teams that do well for me is they generally have good production out of out of the catcher position. Um, you know, it's, if you if you kind of punt it a little bit and you, you, they struggle, then it just it's so much pressure to put on the rest of your lineup. You know, your middle infielders, your outfielders, I, I, the rest of the lineup just has to do more, right? And if you run into some injuries or some down years there, and you already have you know poor catchers, it's just tough to it's tough for that to work out. Not saying it can't work out, but it's just, it's, it's tough. And, you know, especially these DCs, it's a little bit easier maybe to do in fab leagues because you can pick guys up. So, you know, 
you got a catcher that you know, comes into playing time or just, you know, you can ride a hot streak with them. And, you know, maybe that carries the whole season. You know, we kind of just saw that last year a little bit with Cal Raleigh, right? And he, I think he led all catchers in home runs, but he kind of, you know, people knew about him, but I'm not sure how often he actually got drafted, even in the two catcher leagues. Yeah, in DC's, um, there's a great argument to be had for drafting catchers early. Um, in those 35, uh, in rounds like 35 to 50, you are not going to find a useful catcher. Um, maybe one, like you're saying, Cal, Cal Raleigh maybe got drafted in that area, but I think he um, might have even gone earlier than that. Like if you're drafting in the 35 to 50 range in catchers, you're getting Roberto Perez, Tucker Barnhart, Jacob Stallings, guys you're actually better off taking zeros than having. Um, so like, like you said, going early catcher, uh, those guys put up like legit stats, not just for catchers, but for like, like Varsho went uh, 27 and 16 like last year. Like that's not good for a catcher. That's good for anybody. Um, so, so paying up top is, uh, it's definitely a fine strategy if you want to do it. Yeah, for sure. You know, last year, uh, actually the last two years, I kind of flipped my thought process a little bit and it's just kind of based on where they were going. Um, you know, last year we saw Sal Perez going a little bit earlier than JT Villamuto and this maybe just like a round or sometimes two rounds, but you know, I was getting JT, I was taking JT a lot last year. The year before it was completely opposite. JT Ramuto was going early and I was scooping up the Sal Perez in the, you know, that fifth round, sixth round range. Um, so going into this year, I'm just kind of looking at it and we'll get into each player and, and you know, their ADPs and stuff. But looking at it just, you know, in general right now, you're seeing Sal Perez go back down there in that fifth round range. And I've already scooped up a couple shares there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just funny how the, I don't, there's like no loyalty to a certain player. It's just kind of where they're going from, from my general strategy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I agree. I was, I was all in on Varsho and Melendez last year. And just because of where they were going. Um, and this year, it's more of just uh, kind of like I said earlier, I'll pay for the guys up top. And if I just miss out on them, just based on how the draft is going, I'll wait. Um, I don't really have any MJ Melendez-like targets this year uh, like I had last year. Yeah, yep, same with me. Um, all right, let's right, uh, we'll jump right into it right away. Uh, first catcher off the board is JT Rilamuto. He's going uh, at a min pick of 20, so, you know, pretty early mid, early to mid-second round, and his max pick is 42. Uh, so he's coming in at, at an ADP of 32.33. Um, what are your thoughts about JT? Do you think he can, we see the steals again? You know, maybe not 20, but can he, can he get to 15 steals again next year? Is he somebody you're targeting at all? He's definitely somebody I'm targeting just because uh, of how good he is and how amazing he was in the second half of the season. Um, one concern is that he is 32 years old. Um, it's similar to Sal Perez. Uh, those once catchers start getting 32, 33, 34, it starts to scare me a little bit. Uh, we saw like Yasmani Grandal just fell off a friggin' cliff, uh, last year. Uh, Omar Narvaez, another guy just fell off a cliff, but JTR is so much better of an athlete than those guys. I'm not really as worried. Uh, but it's just because Real Muto, you're probably getting 20 homers, 10 steals, 260, 270 average. He's just so safe. And the counting stats, like I said about VAR shows, his homer and steals aren't just great for a catcher. They're great for anybody. Like Real Muto had 75 runs and 85 RBIs last year. That's 
that's like good. Uh, not just, I mean, it's obviously the best in the league for among catchers, but it's fine for almost any player. Uh, so that's kind of why I'm, I'm comfortable taking JTR there. Yeah, I was, like I said earlier, I was big on JT last season and he's, you know, he's going again right there at the early third. So I'm not sure how many shares I'm going to be able to pull the trigger on. That's just a little bit early for my liking with catcher, but um, you know, one thing I was it, found interesting is I thought he would DH a lot more last year, but I guess they did once they started adding, you know, basically a whole outfield worth of DHs. Uh, they're a little tougher to come by. So he had 133 games at catcher, only three at DH, and he did have three games at first base. I'm wondering if, for whatever reason, they decide to trade Reese Hoskins, which we've seen some rumors out there. I wonder if he can get to that 10-game threshold at first base. Um, and with, with Bryce Harper being out, you know, you wonder if he's going to DH a little more. Uh, you still obviously think he's going to catch the majority of the games, but you know, 136 games played last year, uh, actually 139 if you count the pinch hits. Um, I think you're pretty safe as long as he doesn't get hurt to get around that threshold once again. So it's, uh, you know, you're paying a hefty price for somebody like that, but. Yeah, you can't go wrong with what he's going to provide in comparison to all the other catchers. It's pretty incredible. No, absolutely not. And like I said, in the second half last year, Real Muto slashed 307, 367 with a near 600 slugging percentage. Uh, July, August, and September, he was just an absolute monster. Um, Maybe that carries over into the next season. Uh, Like I said, Yosemite Grandal did that last year, and then this year he was – God awful. Um, but again, I think JTR is uh, such a great athlete. Like you, like you touched on with the steals, you can't expect 20 steals again, uh, even with the new rules. It's because he's never even come close to stealing 20 in a season before. And he went 21 for 22 this year. Uh, he, he got caught stealing one time. I think 10 to 13, maybe 15. You could project him for, but that's, Probably the most. That's probably the highest I would go. Yeah, he had that doubleheader. I think he stole three bases towards the end of the season, which was absolutely fantastic for one of my teams, one of my high money teams too. So that uh, I was really enjoying that. I, I agree. I don't think we can expect twenty steals again, but I guess you never know. You, you, you still think he's going to hit for a decent average, and the counting stats are going to be, you know, pretty easy top three candidate in the counting stats just with how many how many games he plays in comparison to all the other catchers. Uh, number two going off the board is the guy that you were on last year, heavy, uh, Dalton Varsho. And he's going with a men pick at 34, which is pretty pretty early. Uh, early third round. And max pick of 64, so an ADP of 49 here in, in draft champions. And just so everybody knows, the ADP we are using is for the last month. So since October 27th, DCs, there's been 12 DCs in that time frame. So that is what we are using right now for the ADP. What are your thoughts about Varsho? Uh, you know, being in on him last year, having him come through the way he did for you. Are you going back to the well again, even at the higher cost? Um, If he were to fall in drafts, like if he were to fall in draft, I was in. Um, and I felt really comfortable with my first two or three picks. I would probably do it, but I don't know if I'll be able to pay second, third round price for him. Um, 
Man, in terms of just catchers, he's amazing. Like I have my projections. I have him and Real Muto as by far my two top catchers. Um, but there's uh, he's not nearly as safe as JTR is. Um, Varsho's probably a platoon player next year uh, because of the logjam they have in outfield and because of um, they had a Kyle Lewis who's probably only even if he's not like a, a full-time DH he's you know he's going to play against lefties um, they have that kid Emmanuel Rivera who probably DHs against lefties um, Varsho hit 220 with a 300 slug against lefties last year and his strikeout to walk rate was significantly worse than it was against righties. Uh, and he hit, and he almost slugged 500 against righties. So he's he's teetering on like a strict platoon player. Um, but what helps him from playing more than every other catcher aside from JTR is that he's an amazing defensive player. So um, I'm not worried about his playing time against righties, but I would be slightly concerned about him being like a, a platoon player. And I'm not sure he can get back to those 150 games played he had last year. Because he, he did start to get platooned at the end of the year as well. Um, so that would be my only concern with him. Yeah, he's uh, – so I'm kind of already looking forward to 2024 here. He played 31 games at catcher last year. So is that number going to go down, do you think? Um, that Maybe I'm getting a little way ahead of myself here should be talking about this upcoming season, but I'm just seeing that 31, you know, games played. Is he good? Is he moving to be a strict, strict outfielder? Do you think? I would think so. Yeah. Um, just because like I said, he's an amazing defensive center fielder. Um, and even if he moves to the corners because of Carroll, he'll be even better of a defender. Uh, so I, he's not a good catcher defensively. So I don't see him catching at all next season. Uh, I know Carson Kelly's a little injury prone, usually misses a decent amount of games every year. But, um, and they did trade Cooper Hummel, uh, which would have been their backup catcher this year. So uh, I'm not familiar with their catchers in their farm, but I would imagine if they traded Hummel, they have someone to back up Kelly. I, I, to answer your question, I don't think Varsho is going to catch at all next year. I would put his un- over under games of catcher at like four, four and a half. I don't think he catches. Yeah, so this is the this might be it for the catcher eligibility. Um, but since we are only talking about this year, we saw him lead off quite a bit against right-handers, which was nice. Um, and then obviously you got the you know you got tremendous power. Uh, Sixteen steals is awesome. Did get caught six times, but you know he's only he's, it was this was his twenty age twenty five season, so I wouldn't expect the steals to really go down much. As a matter of fact, I think if he improves his percentage a little bit, it can go up. Um, but yeah, if he's platooning, obviously it's, that could be re- really tough. And this is a really, really high price to pay for a possible platoon bat, uh, even if it is catcher eligible. Um, yeah, so if he plays 130 games, it still should be enough at catcher to provide a lot of value. Um, but I just think, sec- yeah, like you said, second or third round's a little high. Um, he should improve his batting average with the uh, with the lack of shift. If you just go to Baseball Savant and look at his hit spray chart, he pulls the living shit out of the ball, um, which is great for power, but obviously horrible for average. But if you're only able to put two people on the right side of the field, then maybe his average goes up 10 or so points. I mean, it's very possible. 
Yeah, I'm seeing on and this. I'm this is on Rotowire. Uh, the BABIP is 269 last year, so that's a really low BABIP. So we could see that increase, uh, you know, pretty well. His K rate's not completely terrible. It's 24.5, and uh, you know that's that's fine. You can live with that. So you, maybe yeah, maybe we see a 250 batting average, which obviously will lead to some more counting stats and. Um, you know, the 27 home runs, that's, that'll be a tough feat to, to try to repeat, but you know, you never know with these young guys. Um, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm probably not going to be paying that price on them. It's just, uh, it's a little bit too expensive for, uh, you know, pick 49 that's for early in the fourth round. So, uh, you know, I'm usually looking at other things there as well, as opposed to catcher. Now, if JT was there, I would, I would easily smash JT at the end of the fourth round. But I think that's really the only catcher. I'm sorry, the beginning of the fourth round. That's really the only catcher I think that I would be in on at that price. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, again, it depends on who's off the board, uh, who I took with my first three picks. Um, I said, I don't know if I want him in the second or third round, but if you get him late fourth, early fifth, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's a bad pick. Uh, so going off the board, third is Will Smith of the Dodgers. Uh, min pick of 34, max pick of 69. ADP is 56.17. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's going a little bit more expensive than he was last year. I think last year he was going a lot in the early fifth from uh, the early draft champion season, I remember. So, uh, you know, he's going to be in another really good lineup again. Plays a lot. What are your thoughts on, on Will Smith? He's just such a good hitter. Um, obviously, he's below Varsho and Real Muto because of the steals. Like, you're going from 10 to 15 steals to zero. Um, so he has to hit so much better than them. And, uh, you know, the last two years, his batting average hasn't been amazing. It's good. It's great for a catcher. But it's not so much better than Varsho that, you know, he should be going ahead of him. Um yeah, I mean, he plays so much. He's going to have great counting stats. Amazing lineup. I I think he's a perfectly fine pick here. Um, I just haven't... It's the same thing as Varsho. I like him, but I haven't been able to draft him yet because of how high he goes. Again, I don't, I don't really necessarily think it's a bad pick if you take him there. I just like other players at other positions more. Yeah, it's uh, you know this is where the disagreement comes in with some people. Do you take the catcher that early, or do you wait on catcher? Can you get something similar? Probably not, but can you can you wait a few rounds and get something just a little bit less? You know, that's that's for everyone to decide. But yeah, I mean, you look at Will Smith, sixteen point six percent K rate last year, fantastic. Hit clean up a lot, and he's going to be you know have tons of traffic on in front of him with Freddie Freeman and. Mookie Betts and Trey Turner, if Trey Turner goes back there. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's perfectly fine, in my opinion. End of the fourth. I have not taken him yet. Um, but, yeah, like like pretty much like you said, it's a perfectly fine pick. And if you look at where he's going uh, in comparison to who you might already have on your roster, you might already have some speed in the first round if you attack you know, one of those guys, Trey Turner, uh, J-Rod, J-Ram, Acuna. You know, Kyle Tucker, Witt, any of those guys, Otani, you're going to have some speed. So obviously you're not going to get any speed with Will Smith. 
you know, that's this is their first catcher we're talking about that does not give you the speed, right? It's just really just the kind of the two up front um, that will give you any kind of speed. So you got to get counting stats out of Will Smith. You got to get, you know, power. And I think you will. Um, you know, here's another guy that, that, like I said, plays a ton. And, uh, you know, he DH 25 times last year. So they got no problem using him in the DH if he's not catching. And that's that's something I really like a lot when when I'm drafting catchers. I want I want guys that are going to play and that are going to be, you know, solid in some category. It doesn't matter what. They just gotta, they got to be good in something. Um. Yeah. So anything else on on Will Smith before we move on? The other thing is that the Dodgers. If you look at the Dodgers lineup right now, it's not very good. Um. So he could DH a lot next year. Um. They obviously lost Bellinger. Chris Taylor had an awful season. Uh, Gavin Lux was fine, but he uh, hit for almost no power. Um, they're losing Trey Turner most likely, and yeah, they're uh, they're losing just Justin Turner as well. Um, so there may be more DH at bats for Will Smith there, so he he could play a ton of games next season. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic point. Uh, Sal Perez next off the board. Um, going at a min pick of 55, max of 78, going 65.58 off the board. That's uh, early, early fifth round. Um, this is where I'm 100% willing to, to pay up for the catcher. We've seen tons and tons of power from Sal Perez, and he's another guy that is going to play a ton, whether it's catching or DHing. He's going to play a ton for that team. And I don't think they really have any plans of ever trading him. Uh, you being a Royals fan, what are your thoughts on Sal? I, I like him a lot um, in terms of like the skill set. You know, he barrels the ball a lot, hits the crap out of the ball. But, man, his profile scares the crap out of me. So he's going to be a 33-year-old catcher next year. And like I said, he reminds me a lot of his Monte Grandal. Um, in terms of like... Uh, I think a, a disaster season is uh, coming soon. And obviously I'm not trying to predict the future and say next year he's going to have a Osmani Grandal type season. But I think when you're betting on a 33-year-old catcher like Sal, who is um, so slow, uh, his chase rate is so god-awful. Um, we're talking about like a, a near 50% chase rate. Um, so he swings at everything. And generally those types of profiles age really poorly. So you have that on top of him being a really slow catcher. And I just don't, I don't think he's going to age well at all. Um, and, you know, I'm, again, I'm not saying like next year, the bottom's going to fall out and he's going to be horrible. But uh, if I'm looking at the top 60 or 70 picks and I'm looking at like the most likely to bust, uh, I, I would have Sal Perez at the, at the top of the list. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the bust like you do. Um, I mean, his strikeout rate was not, even though he does chase a lot. Um, you know, his strikeout rate wasn't wasn't that bad at all. Twenty three point twenty three percent. So his hard rate, hard hit rate was still at forty nine percent, forty nine percent. So, which was the second highest highest of his career. I just he doesn't walk a lot, which is perfectly fine for me. I hate when my guys walk a ton unless they're a speed guy for fantasy, but um, yeah, he still hits the ball hard. He's going to DH a lot. He hits cleanup. Like there's just, he does a lot of things that 
other catchers aren't doing, like hitting cleanup, um, DHing a lot. You know, I, the thing I can get concerned a little bit about is the injuries. Um, it just seems like his body is just takes a <laughs> takes a beating <laughs> every time I'm watching. Uh, but you know, you probably watch the Royals a little more than I do. But what do you, like? Is he, he's still going to hit cleanup, right? And he's still going to DH quite a bit. No, think. he's still he's still going to hit cleanup. He's still going to DH a ton because they're so fucking bad. But it's just that. It's just the fact that that type of profile, like free swinging guy that just gets older and older and older. And if you look at his swing and misses as he's gotten older, so 2015, his zone contact was 90%. It's gone from 88 to 87 to 83 to 79 to 77. Just going down, 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 down every year. Um, uh, the chases are still awful every year. It's It's just that like, I know, and again, I'm not trying like I'm not trying to like predict the future or say he's going to be awful next year. Like if that if that fall off that Yasmani Grandal had doesn't happen next year, then Sal Perez is going to be a fine pick. I just think it's in the range of outcomes that that happens because 33, 34, 35 year old catchers they just don't they just don't age well, especially like like I said, like an athlete like Sal Perez who's just ungodly slow and swings at everything. Um, it's just not someone I want to draft in the first five rounds. But again, I'm not trying to hedge my bet. I don't think it's a good pick. But again, if that doesn't happen, he will be fine if you're taking him in the fifth. I just don't want him because I think that's totally possible that it happens. The one category he definitely does not do well is runs just because you know he hits cleanup in, in a poor lineup. So there's not much really protection behind him. Um, he's only had over 60 runs in one season, and that was last year. I'm sorry, 2021, where he had 88 runs. So that was obviously a clear anomaly. 48 home runs, 121 RBIs. That's not happening again. That's I mean, I think we all know that. But oh, I do yeah, think he sure. can be uh, – I mean, if he can play 130 games, I think he's going to be a 25 home run, you know, 75, 80 RBIs, and maybe like 50 to 60 runs. With, with an okay average, so it's not uh, it's not somebody that I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely not fading him. That's I think to me that's incredible for a catcher, and you're not paying that you know the super premium in round you know three or four. Um, so any like in round five, I, I think I would, I'm willing to take a shot on him, and I already have. Uh, going off the board, uh, fifth is Adley Rutschman. Uh, men pick of 50, 55, max pick of 91, ADP of 71.25. You're a big prospect guy. Um, were you high on Rushman prior to this last season? I was in dynasty leagues. I really wasn't targeting him last year uh, just because I feel like he was going too high. Uh, like I said, I liked I liked MJ Melendez, who I believe was going like 100 picks later, um, just as much as him. And I think that's um, that's my issue with Adley here. He's going his ADP. Like you said, is seventy one in the last month. MJ Melendez one seventeen, and Alejandro Kirk one fourteen. I don't think there's that much of a difference between Rutschman, Kirk, and Melendez. Um, I know we're going to talk about the other two soon, but uh, I don't think Melendez, Melendez hits two thirty next year. I think he's more of a two forty, two fifty hitter without the shift. And Alejandro Kirk was just terrible in the second half of the season. Um, 
if you look at just skills like strikeout rate, max EV, like Kirk is right there with Rutschman. Um, and Kirk is just as young as Rutschman also. So any step you think Rutschman's going to take, I don't know why Kirk can't take that step also. Um, so him, Kirk going 40 picks later than Rutschman, I don't. I think that should be much, much closer in terms of ADP. I just, I, I would never take Rutschman because, again, I, I think Kirk and Melendez are almost as good. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm. This is going to be a uh, kind of a fade for me. I just don't like. Uh, you know, he's not going to hit for a super high average. And if you're not going to do that, I need some power. And I just, you know, maybe it does come at some point, but. You know, 13 home runs and a pretty large sample size last year, 398 ABs. It's just not quite enough for what I'm looking for there. Now, if he can hit, you know, if he's going to hit, let's say if he hits 15 home runs, to me, I need at least like a 290 average. Um, And I don't think he can get there. So I just, yeah, I just, there's just no way I can be in. It's a terrible lineup as well. Um, he did score a lot of runs last year. I think that's because he hit second a lot, and maybe he does that again. But uh, the you know the average, or I'm sorry, the, the RBIs and the home runs aren't really that high. Did have four steals last year, so maybe with the new rules, maybe he can get to ten. You know, that's you know that's kind of stretching it. But um, you know, I can't you can't expect more than five really. So yeah, um, another issue with him is that uh, he's a switch hitter. And right-handers in Baltimore just got murdered by that wall last year. And you can see in his numbers as a righty, he had an 890 OPS. Uh, I'm sorry, against righties. So as a left-handed hitter, he had an 890 OPS. As a right-handed hitter, he had one home run in 115 plate appearances with a 550 OPS. Um, he's obviously not going to stop switch hitting because he's done it his whole life. So I, I think that... um that left field fence uh, kills his power potential. Um, I think you have to project some growth because he's, he's a 24 year old, like number one prospect in all of baseball. So maybe he hits 17, 18 home runs next year. Uh, that's totally possible. But like you said, the batting average uh, isn't great. Um, RBIs aren't going to be great because he's sitting second in a crap lineup and he doesn't hit a ton of homers. And again, I just think, Kirk and Melendez are nearly as good or will be yeah, he, as productive next year. Yeah. Adley walked a lot too. So obviously when you walk a lot, it can take an effect on your RBIs. 13.8 you know, walk percent last year, which is super high. Um, yeah. He's he is, a really good, really good player. He's just going a little bit too expensive for me. Yeah, He's a much better real life player than fantasy player. Like much, much, much better. He's an amazing defensive player. He gets on base a ton. <laughs> what more could you ask for? Yeah, um, exactly. Not as good in fantasy. Uh, so off the board as a six catcher, um, and this is uh, this is interesting. Thirty four picks later in ADP, so we got a pretty clear top five um, that we just talked about: JT Realmuto, Dalton Varsho, Will Smith, Sal Perez, and Adley Rutschman. We got Wilson Contreras going off the board as a sixth catcher. At a 105.92 ADP, 84 min, 148 max. Um, what are your thoughts on Wilson Contreras for this year? So if I were to take an early catcher, I think Wilson Contreras would be my most likely uh, most likely target here. Um, he just hits the ball so friggin' hard. 
Um, and he was able to really lower his strikeout rate last year. And I know um, he sort of fits that. He's, he's a 31-year-old catcher. And this is a contract. Uh, he had a contract year last year. But um, I know he's a pretty good athlete for a catcher. And, uh, again, he just hits the ball so hard. I feel like... I feel like the Cubs aren't really great at developing players. I can't really think of anyone off the like they hit on really high draft picks, but they're not really great at developing. Like you don't see a player come out of nowhere with the Cubs. That's very rare. You have the Schwarbers, the Bryants, uh, the Rizzo that were all like top picks or high prospects they traded for. Contreras, I feel like has another level uh, power wise. Like he had a 116 max EV last year, uh, 10% barrel rate. It's 48% hard hit rate. Like the batted ball metrics are off the charts, but he hits the ball on the ground a ton. So if he can go to a team that can figure something out there, he's a legit 30 homer catcher. Um, maybe even more, honestly. Like that's how good his batted ball data is. So I think he has the floor of a sal- of like a Adley Rutschman type. You know, even though I don't love Rutschman, he's he's safe at least, right? Because of the plate skills and he's going to play every day. So I think Contreras is safe like that. But his upside, in my opinion, is way higher if someone were to unlock uh, that power. And again, he's going th- he's going two rounds later. So I'd be much more willing to pay that price. Yeah, he's somebody that I faded last year. And, you know, it, it didn't really work out, I guess. He was obviously a fine pick. 22 home runs last year. Hit 243, which is a little bit concerning just because, you know, the year before it was 237. So we're kind of seeing probably he's probably going to you know come in around 240, which in today's game isn't as big of a deal as, as it, uh, you know, it used to be uh, with, the, with the batting average dropping. But the one thing I'm seeing is um, his Babbitt was super low, lowest of his career, uh, 270, according to Rotowire here. And that's, uh, you know, if that goes, that normalizes and go back up, you know, maybe he can be a 250, 255 hitter. He hit 272 in the, in the you know, the juice ball season in 2019. Um, but, you know, he had 276 back in 2017. So he, he's shown the ability, ability to get there. And like you said, he cut his strikeouts and he hits the ball hard. If he can, and like you said, again, if he can find, um, you know, somebody down to, Get him to just change the launch angle a little bit. Um, you know, I do wonders for him. But if you look at it last year, he he hit, you know, second mostly. But, he you know, first through fourth, always in the Cubs lineup. He's a free agent. If he goes somewhere, is he going to hit that high in the lineup, you think? If he goes, you know, I, I heard that the Cardinals were looking at him. Like, he's not going to hit that high in the Cardinals lineup. So, um, so, so if the Cardinals got him, where do you think he hits? Fifth behind Arenado? And, well... Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. The lineup is, uh, let's just say, Newt Bar leads off, and then they, does Goldschmidt hit second? So, but it'd be like Newt Bar, Goldschmidt, Arenado, or they have a they have a player hitting second that I'm forgetting. My Fangraphs page like isn't working for some reason, so apologize. Uh, well, I guess it, it depends on uh, you know Tommy Tommy Edmund maybe could be there. Um, Nolan Gorman, where did he hit last year? I think he hit fairly high, I think, sometimes. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Fangraphs, just every website's working for me except for Fangraphs. So um, I'm not really <laughs> sure why that is. Uh, 
Yeah, so let's just say let's just say Goldschmidt is third, Arenado hits fourth. Uh, their lineup really isn't that great, so I could see. I mean, maybe Yepes hits fifth and Contreras hits sixth. Then maybe you go Contreras fifth, Yepes sixth. Uh, I don't think that's so bad. I mean, it's not hitting second or fourth, but I, the counting stats will still be there. Um, he could go to a team like the Mets, maybe. Uh, he'd probably have fifth or sixth for them as well. I'm just trying to think of any team where he'd go to and be buried in the lineup. Yeah. Um, so I got fan graphs to work here. They got uh, currently the roster resource has Newbar leading off, Edmund second, Goldschmidt third, Arenado fourth. And then they have uh, Brett Donovan, Tyler O'Neill, Yepes, uh, Dylan Carlson. So, yeah, I, th- it's, I think it's tough for him to hit in that top half of the lineup. So for me, that th- I mean, and that changes things a bit. His eyes are going to go up because he's hitting in a better lineup, uh, just in general, than the Cub. And maybe, you know, maybe his runs, maybe it actually all evens out because he will have some protection behind him, maybe if he does hit fifth or sixth. Um, yeah, I guess it just kind of comes down to can somebody unlock that unlock that swing because, you know, if he goes to St. Louis, that's a complete, it's a pitcher's park, so. That's you know that's probably not going to help much. Although I don't know what how does Wrigley play? You know their field metrics. Uh yeah, I can pull them up real quickly. Um, at least in terms of uh, last season, if we want to look at right-handed power. A lot of times you, you get that wind in Chicago, and that can kind of uh, you know affect things, whether it's blown in or out. In terms of right-handed home runs last season. Um, where are the car? The Cubs were 21st, pretty bad. Uh, and the Cardinals were, I can't, I don't see them for some reason. Cardinals were 13th best. So Cardinals actually played better for right-handed power than uh, Chicago did. I think that um, with those crazy seasons that Arenado and Goldschmidt had, I think the Humidor helped St. Louis more than any other park. St. Louis was actually the 11th best hitters park last season. Interesting, yeah, because that used to be a complete pitcher's park. So, yeah, the humidor really changed a lot. Uh, Miami was the thirteenth best hitters park. Those two, those two were eleventh um, and thirteenth, and then Yankee Stadium was twelfth. So it's it's a uh, it's great if if that sticks next year, which if they keep the same ball, same humidor, it should. So it's just crazy to think uh, how different that is now. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So but just last thing to touch on with Wilson Contreras, I think you already touched on it, but his K rate was the lowest it was in his entire career this past season at 21.1. So, you know, if that Babbitt normalizes, he can keep that K rate down. I think you can see his batting average eventually go up a little bit. And then, you know, even with the, the amount of ground balls he hits, he still had 22 home runs, which is his fourth season over 20 home runs. So, yeah, a pretty good power source. This is a guy that I might be in on. I have not taken yet, but uh, this is if you're gonna if you don't want any of those top five catchers, this is a perfectly fine target at the seven eight turn, somewhere in there. So, I kind of talked about Kirk and Melendez already. Uh, what are your thoughts on the two of them? Would you see yourself drafting them? Um, Kirk, I don't know. Um, I don't know if he's gonna get traded. You know, that's, that's one thing I'm a little bit worried about. What it's rumored that what the Blue Jays are going to trade one of their one of their catchers. I do like the batting average. I don't know what we can get from the power. So, 
and if he leaves Toronto, he might be going to a, a far worse lineup. So the the counting stats could certainly take a hit. But I do like the fact that he played a lot with Toronto. So if he finds somewhere where he's going to play a lot again, which he should, I mean, he's a really good hitter. 10.7% K rate last year. It's pretty insane. And he's, uh, you know, for real life, he's got a really high walk rate as well. So it's definitely somebody that I'm interested in. I don't know if I'll ever be able to pull the trigger just because I do have some other catching targets right around there. I don't know how much different Tyler Stevenson is than, than Kirk. So kind of like, you know, you went from Adley, you like, you know, Kirk just the same. It's kind of like, it's basically the same for me with um, Kirk too. Somebody can get a couple rounds later in Tyler Stevenson. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I just, um, I think Kirk has another level there, uh, power-wise. He was only twenty-three last year, and that was his first full season. Um, and he had fourteen homers with a two eighty-five average. I just think there's another level there, uh, power-wise. He showed a really good barrel rate in twenty twenty-one, and it sort of dipped last year. Um, he just started hitting a ton of ground balls, and that's uh, not someone he was. Uh, just looking at his minor league numbers, he, he was never a really high ground ball rate guy. Usually sat between 40, 44%. Last year it was 50%. So I don't know what happened. I guess just adjusting to major league pitching. Um, if he can cut that ground ball rate around 10 percentage points like it was the year prior, um, I, I think we're looking at 20, 22, 23 homers. Like if all goes really well. And that average is going to be really high again because of how little he strikes out and how hard he hits the ball. Um, I, I just think, yeah, I think he has like 25 home or 300 average upside. Obviously, that's best case scenario, but uh, I'm really high on Kirk. Yeah, I, it's, you know, there's a lot to like about him. And again, it just, it's, it's going to kind of depend on where he goes. Like if he goes to, you know, let's say that he goes to Cleveland. Is he does he move at all for in your rankings? Um, maybe a little bit. You, you would ding the counting stats, but I'm not sure because on Cleveland, um, he would probably be their four hitter. He would hit behind um, Jose Ramirez, uh, where Oscar like Oscar Gonzalez was their four hitter. Last, at the end of last season, they, Kirk would probably be their four hitter. So I, I'm not sure I would, I would ding him that much. Yeah, I, you would have to think he's gonna hit uh, pretty high in that lineup. It's not, you know, it's not a great lineup. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm definitely in on on somebody like like somebody like Kirk. I think this is a, a really nice price to pay. I almost want him to get traded because then to me it it moves his value up a little bit. And it also, for me, moves um, a target. I like later uh, Danny Jansen, that they, you know, he'll skyrocket too. Now, if they both get traded and, you know, Gabriel Moreno is the, the, the guy, then, you know, that, that'd be interesting, but what a weird situation for Toronto though. I mean, there's not many teams who have three, you know, really, really solid catchers. Yeah. Which is Pretty nice because the, it's almost a guarantee one of them get traded. Like, there's no sense of holding three good catchers. That's a waste of assets. You, you have to trade one of them. Uh, so that it's at least nice that it's 
almost a guarantee one of them gets moved. Yeah, for sure. Looking at uh, the other guy you mentioned, MJ Melendez, he's going really close to him. Uh, they're going like just a couple picks apart. Uh, MJ Melendez is somebody who I think can hit 25 plus home runs. Uh, he's definitely somebody I'm going to be in on. He's another guy, kind of like what I said uh, initially. Like, I want my catchers to just be able to do something, you know, above average. And for me, for Melendez, it's just the power. Um, you know, he only hit 217 this past year, but he still had 18 home runs and 62 RBIs in his first taste of major league action. He's only going to get better, you'd think. Playing the outfield, so it's, you know, catching is not taking its toll on him as much as maybe some other guys. Um, so yeah, he's somebody that's that I'm I'm going to be in on. Yeah, I just think the shift is going to help him so much. Um, he's sort of one of those like Varsho types where they pull the ball a lot, hit the ball in the air. Um, but I really think this is next year's Varsho, and he's at a much uh, cheaper price than Varsho was last year. Um, Melendez was hitting leadoff every single day the last two months or so of the season. Um, and uh, I mean, I could li- if he doesn't get hurt, he's playing 160 games next year. Um, and like you said, those 25 home runs, I could, like I said, best case scenario for Kirk is 25 home runs. Like I think, I think that's sort of his ceiling. Melendez could be like a 30, 35 homer guy. Um, just because of how much he hits the ball in the air. Uh, I mean, he hit 41 home runs in double A and triple A in 2021. Like he has legit, legit power. Uh, the max EV is good. The barrel rate's really good. Hits the ball hard. Um, and another thing that uh, I haven't heard anybody talk about, uh, I, might, I might be wrong if somebody did uh, correct me, um, but he started stealing bases at the end of the season. Um, I think because he stopped catching, he attempted four stolen bases in September and the first week of October. Now, if you extrapolate that uh, to a full season, that's, uh, I mean, there's six, there's five, six months in a baseball season. I mean, he could steal 10 bases like almost easily. Um, so if he, he got a strikeout rate down to 22% uh, in September. If he's hitting 20, 25 home runs, hitting leadoff and scoring, he could legitimately score 90 runs next year, hitting leadoff and playing every single day. I mean, this this to me is the biggest steal in drafts in terms of uh, at the catcher position because there's just every arrow possible is pointing up for him with the steals at the end of the year, the power that he has, uh, hitting leadoff and the shift ban. I, I just think... Uh, Really, really high ceiling here and a really good floor, too. Yeah, another guy with a really low Babbitt last year, 258. So if that can – we see some improvement there. K rate was fine, 24.5%. So it's not um, – you know, he's not somebody that's basically at risk of playing time, I feel like. And his walk rate was 12.4%. So he's somebody that's uh, – you know, like you said, he's could lead off again with – you know, if you have that good of a, a walk rate, you get a little bit of a Babbitt – Increase and all of a sudden your OBP is 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 skyrocketing and uh, you know that lineup is not great but at the same time I don't mind the top like you know four hitters so if you're hitting leadoff that's really not going to affect you much it might affect your RBIs down at the, if you're hitting leadoff just because 
if the you know the bottom of the lineup isn't getting on base, obviously you don't have the opportunities. But yeah, he's somebody that I'm I'm definitely in on. This is like uh, this is a lot of this area here. This is where I like to get my first catcher. Um, you know, Kirk and 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 Melendez, and then uh, the next guy is is basically been my biggest target so far. It's Tyler Stevenson. Um, going off the board at 134, min pick of 117, max of 160. Um, this is a guy that I faded last year because I had other guys in mind that I liked but did not work out. Um, Kiebert Ruiz and Mitch Garver. Uh, that did not work out for me. So <laughs> I didn't have much Stevenson because he was going around like the, that area. But what he did last year, and you know, I kind of got lucky with the fade because he got hurt. But he hit 319 last year, and this is a guy that's going to play pretty much every day in this Reds lineup. You know whether he's whether he's uh, catching or if he's uh, DHing. So, what are your thoughts about um, about uh, Tyler Stevenson? I think he's a fine pick here. Um, it's just not. I don't think it's something I'm going to do. Um, yeah, he did hit 319 last year, but he had a 410 BABIP. Um, we could we could legitimately see that drop a hundred points. Um, he only played fifty games, right? So it's not even. Uh, I don't think that's enough time for like Babbitt to stabilize there. But um, could he hit two eighty, two ninety in that park? Uh, he might be able to, but it's really strange. Uh, every scouting report I've read on him, they say like he's a very strong guy and uh, was was supposedly had like really high power upside. But if you look at his max EVs, they're equal to like Josh Rojas um, and Nicky Lopez. So it's very weird that he doesn't hit the ball hard at all. Um, the braille rate's really low. Um, I'm just not sure he's going to be a great fantasy guy. I, I don't think the homers are going to be much more than like 15 or so. The stolen bases are going to be close to zero. And if that average comes down to like 250, 260, which uh, I think it's going to, um, uh, I'm not sure how great he is. But there is a nice floor there because uh, as long as the strikeout rate is what it was in 2021, where it was 19%, he's going to play every day, like you said. Um, again, I don't think it's a horrible pick, but I I just think there's a lot of regression coming from his first uh, two seasons so far. Yeah, I'm much higher on his batting average than you are, apparently. Uh, 2021, he hit 286 in, in 350 games. And then the short season, only 17 ABs, but he had 294 then, too. Uh, and yeah, his BABIP's going to come down a little bit, no question about that. But it's, I, I mean, what is he, I, I don't see, I just don't see him hitting 250. He's never hit 250 at any, at any year in the major league level. Yeah, but uh, he, also, he only has one season. That's enough games for that to like matter though. I don't, I don't, I don't know how much batting average in 50 games or like you said, like eight games matters. Um, I, I get the point, but he did, he's hit 296 in his career, but the bat, it's 360. I just don't know if a slow, even though Cincinnati's an amazing hitters park. I don't know if a slow catcher can run a 360 bat, but that's like crazy high. Yeah, 2019, he hit 285 at double A, 312 games. So it's basically every stop he's been at, um, you know, he's only 25 last year. So he's going to be playing at age 26 this year. That's like, 
right in his prime. Um, you know, again, I don't know, like he said about the power. I, I don't know what we're going to get for the in the power category, but you know, this is why he's going in round ten. And I just uh, give give me the high average, give me the playing every day, and give me the playing every day and hitting in the in a you know premium spot in the Cincinnati lineup ballpark lineup spot. I think Cincinnati, you know, maybe we'll see Votto bounce back. You know, that's a big if. But, um, you know, we always see guys have good seasons in that park. So, I think uh, as long as he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a really solid pick. Um, Okay, so the next guy is a guy that I am actually fading. Um, William Contreras. I've seen a lot of people, like, on him. Uh, He's obviously good. To me, he's 50-50 split with, um, you know, Travis Darnod. I don't, I don't understand why Travis Darnod's going so much later than, than William Contreras. But William Contreras off the board, 147. Uh, min pick a 118. Max of 173. What are your thoughts on William Contreras? Yeah, I'm going to be with you. I'm, I'm not uh, going to be drafting much, if any, William Contreras. Um, he is very young. For a catcher, like he's only twenty, he's going to be twenty-five, and this is going to be his third season in the big leagues. Um, so you could definitely project some growth. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with you if you did that. But there are some red flags, um, in his profile. He does it a ton, a ton of ground balls. Um, fifty-three percent ground ball rate. It's really, really high, and he ran a twenty-seven percent home run to fly ball rate. He never did anything close to that at any point in the big in the in the minor leagues. Um, I, I just think there's going to be a lot of regression coming in terms of uh, home runs. I do not see him hitting 20 home runs again in 370 plate appearances. Uh, I mean that's legitimate. Like if you extrapolate that to a full season, that's like a 40 homer hitter. I just don't think like. It's very rare for someone to strike out as much as he does and hit ground balls as much as he does and be a 40-homer hitter in, a, in nearly a full season. Um, the BABIP was also 345. So even though he hit 280 last year, I don't think he's going to hit 280 again. Uh, that's just a lot of regression coming. Um, and again, he's, really, he's young for a catcher, uh, 25. It generally takes catchers like two to three, four years to get like acclimated to big league pitching. Um, so uh, you could definitely project some growth there, but I just, uh, I don't know. I don't think what he did last season is repeatable. Yeah. It's the, it's the K rate and it's the, the just lack of PAs compared to other catchers. I, like I said, I think he's going to split time with Travis Darnot. I don't know why he wouldn't. Travis Darnot was fantastic this past season. Again, super clutch for that team too. So I don't understand why um, why Contreras is going, you know, this early. Yeah, maybe he he's actually, you know, he's a really good player, obviously, and it's. But you pointed out a lot of uh, a lot of reasons why, you know. We don't see what he did last year, and he has to do what he did last year to have that value because he's not going to get the you know the the fair share of player, plate appearances, so. Doesn't hit high in the lineup. Um, obviously, with Atlanta, you got a really good lineup, so he's you know he's going to be down there six, seven, somewhere in that range for the most part, and in, in you know sparse playing time. 
And that's a really good point with um, how often he played. Because he did so well on a per-plate appearance basis, you look at the 20 homers, 51 runs, and 280 average, and you go, that's great. But you're not looking at the 370 plate appearances. So if his numbers regress and he gets 370 plate appearances again, he's going to be significantly worse, and he's not going to be worth having as your first catcher. Um, So, yeah, Yeah. the playing time is a huge issue there. Yeah, yeah, and he's going in the middle of round 10. That's that's way too early for... For me, for a catcher that's splitting, splitting PAs. Yeah, the two catchers going after him, I would much rather have than William Contreras. Same with me, especially this first one, Sean Murphy. Uh, this is a target for me. ADP one fifty seven, min one twenty seven, max one eighty three. Uh, yeah, so you're in on Sean Murphy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he was able to cut his K rate last year, and maintain the power which, again, you love to see for anyone that's, uh, you know, entering their peak years. He's going to be 28. I think, uh, you know, he hit 17 homers and 450 PAs in 2021. If he can get out of that dog shit ballpark and that dog shit team in Oakland, uh, there's been a ton of trade rumors with him. So anywhere he goes will be better than where he currently is. Uh, and if he gets traded, I think you're looking at a 240, 250 hitter with 20, 25 home runs. Um and he's such an incredible defender. He is going to play uh, 120, 130 games, which is about, I don't know, four, 30 to 40 more than William Contreras. Yeah, for sure. Sean Murphy, 94th percentile in max exit velocity. So we can, you can easily see a, a big power boost coming from him. And, yeah, like you said, he, he got better. He, uh, his K rate – Came down to 20.3%. That's fantastic. You know, uh, it's pretty solid walk rate, you know, hitting the ball hard. The only thing I worry about a little bit, again, is the lineup position. Where is he going to hit on what if he goes to a new team? Um, That could affect his counting stats a little bit. But then again, his counting stats might go up because he's in a better lineup. So regardless of where he's hitting. So this is definitely a a massive target for me because, like you said, I do see uh, 20 to 25 home runs from him. Absolutely. Yeah. Huge target for me as well. Cal Raleigh, next guy, uh, led all catchers last year in home runs, ADP of 170, men pick 129, max 193. Cal Raleigh, in? I think I will be. Um, Even though he's going to be a really low average hitter, I just think the home runs are super legit. Um, Hits the ball in the air a ton. The barrel rate's great. Uh, Strikeouts are a bit of an issue. But I just think he's going to play a ton. Uh, and that's what you want out of your catchers. You want to play a ton. Like you said, you want them to be great in at least one area. And I think Cal Raleigh is a pretty much lock for 25 home runs as long as he's healthy. Uh, just, ba- just based on his power profile. So I-, I would be totally comfortable having him as my catcher one and grabbing him you know, at around pick 170. I think that's a great price for him. Yeah, another guy, max exit velocity, ninety fourth percentile. Um, he can he can really hit the ball um, as long as he's hitting it. Uh, K rate is definitely high, so he's going to be a detriment to your batting average. Lineup spot, he's going to hit towards the bottom of the lineup. That Seattle lineup, but again, another guy like you said, going to play a lot and and tons of power. So yeah, you can sign me up for that all day at the catcher position. 
Yeah, give me these Sean Murphy, Cal Rowley types that are amazing defenders, so that keeps them playing 120, 130, 140 games and have a shit ton of power. Like, if he if Cal Rowley hits 215, but he hits 30 home runs, 25 home runs, I don't really care. Like, give me the 25 home runs and give me a guy that plays every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, just briefly, um, any interest in a lot of these other catchers that are, are going a little bit later? Kiebert Ruiz? Uh, Travis Darnod, Danny Jansen. Um, anybody else you want to touch on? Do I actually have a lot of interest in Jonah Heim. Um, uh, we talked about him the other day in our chat, but he just fell off completely in the second half of the season, and there's nothing really to explain why. Um, I didn't really dig deeper into it to see if it was like the pitchers were attacking him differently or anything like that. But uh, everything under the hood was fine. Like his barrel rate and hard hit rate were similar to the first half. Um, his strikeout rate was actually better, and his walk rate was much better in the second half. But instead of hitting 262, he hit 181 the last two and a half months of the season. Uh, why? I, I don't know. He had a 200 ISO in the first half and a 130 ISO in the second half. But everything under the hood would suggest to you he was not that like the skills were not that different if you compare them half to half so i i don't know what happened but he was a 262 hitter uh in the first half of the season and he had uh 12 home runs and two stolen bases like he was awesome uh maybe he played through an injury or something or just got unlucky i'm not really sure but i i think he's i honestly think he's uh a fine as a c1 um, that's what I was saying, uh, that I feel comfortable punting catcher. If I can get Jonah, if I can like load up the rest of my team and get Jonah Heim as my C1 and get someone like Ryan Jeffers or Nick Fortes as my C2, I'm, I'm not uncomfortable with that. Uh, so if I, if I don't hit on any of the catchers that we talked about that I like, uh, you know, just miss out on a draft. I'm totally fine, like drafting those kind of catchers late. Yeah, Jonah Heim, uh, two, a 249 Babbitt last year. So another guy with a pretty low Babbitt. K rate was only 19.3%, which is really good. And yeah, we, we've seen the power. We've seen the power. 16 home runs last year, 85th percentile and, and percentile of max exit velo. So he's going to be the starting catcher for Texas, too. I think Mitch Garver is going to be the full time DH. So I think, uh, yeah, he's another guy that you're looking for a lot of playing time with some good power metrics. And we'll see the batting average come up a little bit. Uh, another guy that I'm interested in down here is, I mentioned him earlier, Travis Darnod. I mean, I don't know why this guy continues to go so much later than a lot of his other players. 18 home runs last year, he had 268, uh, 60 RBI, 61 runs. It's like, that's excellent for a catcher, especially going down here. Can you repeat that? I, you know, I don't know. 2021 was a little bit, a little bit down 2020 in the short season. He was really good too, though. Like absurdly good hit 321 in that short season. What are your thoughts about uh, Travis Darnod? No, I don't, I don't hate that call. Um, he's a good player. It's just one concern is that he's really injury prone, but at pick 200, it's baked in, right? Like he should be right. going ahead of Kybert Ruiz. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm totally fine with him at that ADP. Um, what are your thoughts on the bounce back of Yasmani Grandal 
um, I was sort of looking under the hood, and I didn't. I thought going into draft season I would be in on him, but uh, I don't think I'll come close to drafting him this year. Yeah, he was one of my biggest fades last year, and that worked out pretty well. Um, it's it's just the the batting average is just horrendous. Um, I know the power was there, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like 240 last year, 230 short season, 246, 241, 247. You know you're not going to get any batting average. So the question comes, can you get the power? And maybe it comes back. Maybe it doesn't. I mean, only five home runs last year and 327 ABs. I just Another guy just walks a ton, which I just – I don't want my hitters walking a ton if they're not, if they're not base dealers just takes away so many opportunities for RBIs. So it's probably going to be somebody that I'm out on again, just because I do like a lot of these guys we already talked about before. Um, so yeah, uh, you're going to be out on them. Cause I know you were a big fan of them last year too. Yeah. I was a big fan of them and I, you know, I should have been smarter. Um, that second half he had last year was so ridiculously unsustainable. Um, he was like the best hitter in baseball the last two months of the season. And a 32-year-old catcher coming off a year where he was the best hitter in bit, ba- like had a career year offensively. It was like uh, Sal Perez this year. Like this year, uh, I was totally off on Sal Perez. Like he just had a career year at 32 years old. There's no way I'm drafting him because, I mean, sure, does he end up being all right? Yeah, but your dra- what was he going in, like the third round? It's just way yeah. too high for like expecting something similar to they did the year before. I should have known that, known better that uh, a twenty a thirty two year old catcher doing what Grant had twenty three homers in ninety games last year, like that was never going to happen again. Uh, so I, I should have faded him. Uh, I was really in on him. It's just the power. I, I don't know. Does a thirty four year old with uh, seemingly really bad injury issues the last couple seasons. Now just like have a fully healthy year and hit 20 homers again. I don't know. I don't know. I'm very skeptical of him bouncing back. Yeah, me too. Uh, one other catcher I'm I'm interested in down here as, as my catcher too is Danny Jansen. 15 home runs last year and only 215 at bats. That's really impressive. Again, he's another guy we're going to have to wait and see how this trade shakes out. If he's going to go to a you know a poor lineup, his counting stats are going to come down a little bit naturally. So, um, yeah, as of right now, this, this is a guy that I think I'm uh, you know I have some interest in as my as my second catcher. Hit 260 last year, which is really good, um, and that was with a 255 Babbitt. So K rate was only 17.7 percent. So love that, and. Um, yeah, uh, you know, what do you think about Danny Jansen? Um, I think he's fine as a second catcher. Uh, I would just be concerned. Uh, I don't think he's going to hit 15 home runs in 70 games again. Um, and he's always injured, whatever it is. I don't know. It's very strange how often he gets hurt. Um, obviously, he's a catcher, so it's like they they all kind of uh, are injury issues. But I just don't. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like like we just talked about with Grandal in 2021 and South Perez in 2021. Like I think, uh, and even like similar to William Contreras, I don't think he can repeat that on a per plate appearance basis. Um, you know, that's a 30. That's almost that's a little over a 30 homer bat in a full season. 
um, even higher than that, actually. So I don't, I don't know if Danny Jansen could repeat that, but could he hit 240 with uh, with 15 homers if he like stays healthy the whole year? Yeah, I mean, he could 15, 20 homers. Yeah. Yeah, that's the you know, the idea is that he doesn't play half a season with injuries. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if one of those guys, and he's a good defensive catcher too. So, if, you know, once that trade goes through, whether it's him or if it's Kirk, you got to figure it's one of those two guys. I doubt they'd trade Mourinho, Mourinho but um, you never know, I guess. Uh, but once that trade goes through, whatever happens, you're going to see some playing time shake out, shake out. We'll see where he lands or if he's still there. And, uh, you know, we can reassess then. Anybody yeah. else? Uh, any other catchers you're. You're seeing any interest in? Yeah, so I said before about uh, Nick Fortes and um and Ryan Jeffers. Ryan Jeffers, um, I think it's going to be the Twins' everyday catcher. Gary Sanchez isn't there anymore, and he's got a 113 max EV with a really good barrel rate, and he was able to cut his strikeouts by 10 percentage points. Um, and this is like the perfect breakout, in my opinion, because he's in year two now of being, uh, well, this will be his first year as a full-time catcher, but he's in year two of, uh, you know, being a, a regular big leaguer. Uh, I just think this is a, this is like a prime uh, breakout bat that I think has like similar skills to, let's say, like a Danny Jansen and probably plays even more than Jansen. And he's going... Um, how early is Jansen going? Is Jansen going above? Can you scroll up a little bit? Is he above Grandall? Oh, yeah. I forgot to scroll down here. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Jansen's going. Yeah, Jansen's 221, and yep. Jeffers is going um, way, way, way later. And I think they have a pretty – even though Jeffers strikes out more, I think the batting average is going to be pretty similar and the power is going to be pretty similar. And I think Jeffers even plays more because he's like their everyday catcher. Um, so I, I think he's a, he's a huge value in drafts right now. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can get down with that. Uh, one other guy I just want to touch on Joey Bart had a, a pretty ridiculous strikeout rate this past year, uh, 38.5%, but he did have a 95th percentile for max exit velocity. So I don't know. Any any interest in a guy like Joey Bart? Yeah, I'm a little interested because the power uh, should be there. Um, like a lot of these catches we talked about, low batting average, uh, high power. But it's all about the price, right? Yeah. And he's going late. Uh, he said he hits the crap out of the ball. And unless the Giants sign someone, I think he's a 120-game catcher. Um, he, he, should be play, he should be like their catcher one. They don't really have anyone on the roster to take away plate appearances from him. Um, even though he wasn't the best defensive catcher, he was the second overall pick in 2018. So the Giants are going to want to see a full season from him. Like they want to know what they have in Bart. And they're not like trying to win the World Series next year. Like their team isn't very good. So I think Bart plays 120, 115 games or so. And, uh, you know, they, they, they see what they have in him. Yeah, it's just gonna. To me, it's just gonna come down to the K rate. I mean, it's it's ugly. Thirty eight point five this past season, um, and he's you know pretty high throughout uh, you know recently in the minor leagues. 
Um, in 2021 in AAA, it was, uh, you know, pretty high at 29.4% in 252 ABs. So we're going to, we're going to need to see that K rate get cut a little bit. You don't want a guy, at least I don't, that's going to hit, like, that's going to be a complete drain um, at the catcher position. I'd like to see, you know, if you can hit 230 or, or 240, that's fine. But if you, when you got a guy hitting like 200, 210, like that's where the issue kind of comes in um, for me anyways. But yeah, the power, the power should be pretty solid. So yeah. Yeah, he is a risky pick for sure. Like if you, um, if you take him and he strikes out thirty five percent of the time again, like he's gonna be shit. Uh, so that that is a huge risk. And again, he only had eleven home runs last year, which is like bad for someone that hits two fifteen. So there definitely has to be growth there. Um, but I don't think it's a it's a horrible pick if you punt catcher. What about uh, last thing with the with the catches before we get into the trivia? Um, any of these, uh, you know, younger guys, Bo Naylor, uh, uh, Logan, um, what's his name from the Angels? Logan O'Hop. Uh, yeah, uh, Logan O'Hop. Uh, any interest in some of these younger guys? Gabriel Moreno, any uh, an Andy, a guy like Andy uh, Rodriguez for Pittsburgh. I'm any definitely. Any of those guys? I'm definitely gonna have Gabriel Moreno. In my opinion, is definitely gonna be the best player of uh, that group, and he's going to play the most of everyone in that group. Um, like we said about the Toronto catchers, they're going to trade somebody, so I fully expect Moreno um, to either get full catcher reps or play like half catcher, half DH, something along the lines of that. Uh, Logan O'Hop. I'm not entirely sure he makes the big leagues out of spring training. Like he hardly had any big league time in AAA. Um, and they kind of rushed him to the big leagues probably just to see, you know, it was probably just a reward. You know, some teams do that. Uh, the Pirates did that with O'Neill Cruz in 2021. They called him up for like three games. And then he started 2022 in the minors for three months. Um, uh, he's just really young. I don't think you can project a 23-year-old catcher with hardly any time in AAA. Uh, we, I just don't know what kind of player he's going to be. Um, it's hard to project numbers from AA to the big leagues, especially for a rookie catcher. And catchers, again, usually take two, three years to hit their offensive strides um, because they're focusing more on defense because catching and working on and uh, you know having a rapport with all the pitchers is more important than hitting. So that's why that generally happens. And a guy like O'Hop and Bo Naylor, I just don't know how good of hitters they're going to be right out of the gate. Um, like at least Moreno, Moreno has the same issue, but at least he's been exposed to big league pitching already uh, for a few games. And I think he's more locked for playing time than the other two. If Bo Naylor isn't an amazing defender, like they have hedge, like as bad as Hedges is as a hitter, Cleveland cares a lot about having like really good defensive catchers. They always have really good defensive catchers. So uh, I'm definitely going to have zero of O'Hop and Bo Naylor and Andy Rodriguez just because it's, uh, I don't know, it's a really risky pick because they could be close to zeros um, with how volatile rookie catchers are. And we saw it last year with Kyber Ruiz. Kyber Ruiz uh, was as safe as a catcher you could possibly be. He had like a 9% strikeout rate in the minor leagues. Um, had a ton of power in the minor leagues. And what did he do? Hit seven home runs and hit 250. And he almost played the entire season. 
So it's just so hard to project catchers their rookie their, their first two seasons. It's so difficult. Yeah, the interesting interesting thing to me is you know these guys are pretty much going off the board as the second catcher. So it's uh, it's just something again like kind of how I said at the beginning like a lot of my teams that have done well I've had good hitting catchers. So um, not necessarily the top catchers, but just good solid production out of the out of the catcher position. So these guys are huge question marks. So I, there's a good chance that the, a lot of these guys are not going to be on my team unless they're uh, like my third catcher, which would be a pretty expensive pick for, for some of them um, as my third catcher. So I, w- I really don't see me doing that either. No, no. Like, um, I guess I was more willing to take Melendez because I knew he was going to play every day and hit 41 home runs in the minor leagues uh, in double and triple A. Bo Naylor and Logan O'Hop like have good numbers in the minors, but they're nowhere close to what Melendez did. And again, I'm just not uh, I'm not confident in the playing time, uh, especially with O'Hop. I, I think O'Hop could be a disaster pick where he's going right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's uh, that's something we definitely agree on. So for trivia, um, they're going to be obviously related to the catcher position. Do you know who has played the most career games at the catcher position? Of all time? Yep. Yadier Molina. It is not. Yadi is fourth all time at 2,184 games played. Uh, what about Johnny Bench? It is not Johnny Bench. There's there's six players total that have played over 2,000 games at catcher. Jason Kendall at 2,025, Gary Carter at 2,056, Yadi 2,184, Bob Boone 2,225, Carlton Fisk 2,226, and this guy played 2,427. 2,427. Wow, I definitely thought it would be Yadi. Um, Gary, innings. Gary Carter was going to be my next guess. Um, we'll give you one more guess. Yeah, I'm trying to think of all like the top catchers of all time in my head. Um, I think Texas Rangers. Oh, um, it's got to be Pudge. Yeah, there we go. Yvonne Rodriguez, 2,427 games, over 20,000 innings. It's insane. Wow. I did not know that he he played for that long. Yeah, crazy. Uh, Who is the only catcher in MLB history to win three batting titles? Um, That would have to be Joe Maurer. Yeah, there we go. Joe Maurer. Go Minnesota Twins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Trivia three. Who was the last catcher to catch more than 150 games in a season? This is the top one. Last catcher to catch 150 games in a season. Um, um, he was, was, it, was, manager. It, was it recent? Uh, no, it was not recent. You said they were a major league manager? Uh, they definitely were. I'm not actually sure if they still are, to be honest with you. I don't think so. Was Bruce Bochy a catcher? 
Um, I actually don't know if he wants to catch your last name. <laughs> no, <laughs> so not it's the not, that's not the answer. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Joe Torre? Uh, nope. I know he was a catcher, but uh, maybe not for long. Um, yeah, someone that managed recently, then definitely not Joe Torre. Um, Detroit Tigers. Oh, what's his name? Um, I'm not gonna be able to think of his name, but I know that he's really, he's a really old dude. Oh no, no, um, Brad Osmus. Yeah, Brad Osmus. Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, he caught that many games. That's crazy. Yeah, 150 games in 2000. Uh, oh. this is not necessarily a trivia question because I, I doubt you would get it, but the most ever was in 1968, Randy Hunley, uh, caught 160 games. That's Todd Hunley's dad. Wow. So what did he do then? Like 1960, 1970, 1968. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> Almost every single game. Yeah. Uh, last one. What catcher had the strongest arm? past season home uh catch from catcher to second throwing the guy out was it uh i know wilson Contreras has a really good arm was it wilson Contreras? it was not christian okay. bethencourt christian bethencourt my guy yeah. 88.3 miles an hour wow that's insane he's like uh He's a funny story because he's like 31 years old. He hits the living shit out of the ball. He's obviously got a really good arm. He's a good athlete. And he came out of nowhere. I think he was playing in like uh, Korea or Japan or something before he went to the A's. He took like a three-year uh, hiatus from Major League Baseball. I don't know where he was playing. He played in the majors in 2016. And then play it again for the first time in six years in 2022. Um, yeah, he actually was pretty solid. 11 home runs, five steals. That's oh, yeah. now, if um, not to, I mean, rending soon, but just to talk about Bethancourt for a second, uh, he's going relatively late. Uh, I just realized today that the Rays don't have Zanino on the roster anymore. And Bethancourt played a lot down the stretch for them. Uh, he might be their starting catcher next year. Yeah, he definitely could be. Um, he actually he played a lot at first base too. Thirty-seven games at first base, so you know, even if he doesn't catch every day, you know, maybe they find slot, uh, spots for him in the lineup. He was DH ten times as well, so you know, it's just one of those guys. If I think he's solid as a catcher too, but you know, it's probably not a huge target for me. Uh, Francisco Mejia is still there. So I don't think I don't think he'll be the full time DH. I think you're going to see some kind of a split there, or full time catcher, I should say, should say. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Low end, sick, low end catcher too. Yeah. All right. Any other final thoughts on the catcher position? No, that's about it. I think we talked. Uh, I think we talked enough about catchers. Yeah, we ran a little bit longer than we normally do. So, well, that'll do it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will see you all next time.
Thank you for once again tuning into another episode. Ryan and I really appreciate the support. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Pile of Dial. Ryan is at Ven underscore Armbarn. In the words of the legendary Jay-Z, a loss and a loss, it's a lesson. Appreciate the pain. It's a blessing. Peace.